nothing for it. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Welcome to the Cornhusker Corner with Blake. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And Brooks. Is mayonnaise an instrument? And you better bet your bottom dollar that these two brothers know how to handle business. Here's a hand up to Thunder who gives it back to Mike Stokes. He's going to throw it. He's got a man. Welcome to the Cornhusker Corner, where there's no place like this podcast. This podcast. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. 75 days till the kickoff of the first game of the year, August 27th in Dublin. In Dublin. You'll do nothing. You'll do nothing. 75 days, man. Yeah, 75 About, days. Uh, uh, yeah, as always, uh, I'm your host, Blake, and with me is my brother, Brooks, uh, after our little me. shenanigans there. that That's you. Uh, yeah, so 75 days till kickoff. Um, so it's, it's, coming, it's coming. It's coming quickly. You know, it'll only... Uh... It'll it'll only slow down from here. We're in the middle of June, and uh, we got June, then we got July, and uh, the slowest probably two months of the entire. Honestly, for new cycle stuff, June and July is probably the slowest college football month because at least in the early of the year, you have lots of movement with the transfer portal and with um, with NIL and just like the way things shift around these days, and and it's kind of interesting too because there's so much in limbo with like college football generally um conference realignment as well as um as well as you know moving to a semi-pro like all that type of stuff is fascinating to me and it's gotten me to pay attention to the sport a lot more but june and july the the transfer portal has slowed down um we we all understand at this point that nothing really change wise in college football is going to happen this season um it's going to be next season if anything changes as far as like divisional like division changes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a slow month, um, but we're going to have some yeah. fun topics I mean, to talk about. Yeah. So June June really is the slow month because once July yeah. hits, camp starts. We'll yep. have some news and, here and, we and got there. Media and days. Media days, and it starts ramping up in July, and then I think August is our little little lull before the storm which is the season because you know we have a week zero game here um against northwestern in uh dublin Dublin. Uh, so (laughs) it should be interesting it should be interesting where the fuck is mayweather Mayweather? (laughs) yeah well i i I thought we weren't cursing on this podcast anymore i didn't say that before i said fuck Oh, okay. F- oh, okay. F- okay. <laughs> no, two O's, two O's. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, fair enough. Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we recorded about two weeks ago now. Um, NIL had just kind of, uh, not NIL, the transfer portal had just kind of uh, ended its little Settled reign down. of terror that we had. For uh, some people, for us, it was a reign of... Uh... The opposite of terror. <laughs> no, we we are, we are on a terror for it, other people. Sure, yes, I, I agree with that. Yeah, um, it, it, it was it made those months interesting. I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give them that because, like I said, you'd get wind of these kids and um, and then you'd you know get on Twitter and and see the 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 quote unquote insiders and what they know. And I got mm-hmm. a few extra things today, of course, but um, uh, it was interesting to see because you know. I remember the the rumblings right at the beginning of oh we're gonna get a wide receivers coach who's it gonna be oh Mickey Joseph and then we got Mickey Joseph and Mark Whipple and they come in then we get Donovan Riola and we get uh, Brian Applewhite and they come in then we get Casey Thompson, and we get Tom Herman and, we get... and... <laughs> that, that, I remember us talking about that uh, we we get Casey Thompson and we get all you know all of a sudden the pieces start coming together and uh, I am just slurping down. The Kool-Aid, man. It's sweet, and it's sweet this time of year. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I know I know you're slurping down the Kool-Aid and everything, but I, see, and it's it's weird because usually in off-seasons, 
I'm way more of an optimist than you are or our father is. And most of the time I go into the season being like, you know, we're going to turn around. Even the Mike Riley years. I'm like, you know, I'm reading some good yep. stuff. I'm seeing the players. We had a good recruiting class. And on and paper, I was laughing at you. Yeah, and, on, <laughs> and on paper, on paper, yeah, every year on paper, it's like, yeah, we should be better this year. But it never really has come to fruition. So that's my little hesitation this year is – for as many years as I've been following Husker football, and I mean, we had some success in the Pelini years, except for all of our blowout like losses that actually meant something. Um, it was always like, we have a very talented team coming in. We have we had good recruits, good this, good that, and then it just doesn't show up on the field. And it's been that way all of Scott Frost's years, except probably his first one. His first one was... He got some players. He came in pretty late, like hire-wise, because he wanted to coach the bowl game for UCF, which totally understandable. Um, but he came in a little bit late in that recruiting cycle. So he had a lot of Riley players, a lot of stuff to overcome from those years. But made the rest a lot of the years, mistakes. Made, made a lot, a lot of, mistakes. of mistakes. He yeah, took it, a lot of the philosophies that he was having at those group of five schools, where at group of five schools, it's all about finding the diamonds in the rough, building your culture and developing players. That's really what mm -hmm. it is about group of five schools is putting the best team on the field. Well, at a school like Nebraska, you got to have those things for sure. But at the same time, you're competing with the top echelon of the big 10, or at least you're trying to, it's, you, you got to be mm -hmm. able to beat Michigan state and Wisconsin and Michigan and, and, and Ohio state. I mean, you got to try to beat those teams if you want to be great. So he came yeah. here and had that same mentality of, um, you know, finding diamonds in the rough and that's okay. But, there's been a shift. That's what I was going to say. The reason I'm drinking the Kool-Aid this year, and it's one of the first years, um, it, first off seasons in a long time that I am, is because, look, so we were in the Big 12, and being in the Big 12 provided its own re recruiting base. It just mm -hmm. did. Um, because you're going to be playing the types of teams that are down in places like Texas and the South and OU, all that, all those types of places that just mm -hmm. have talent. Dallas, Houston, um, Austin area. I mean – really talent talent and we had the connection to it and we got a guy in uh who was our coach for the last two or two or three years we were in the big 12 bill Pelini. and look bo Pelini was a really good players coach and he was actually an excellent developer of players um yeah but he was not the so. best recruiter so here's what happened we moved mm -hmm. to the big 10 with a coach who that's not his strength recruiting isn't his strength anyway and we kind of had already given that up for for almost a culture change you know what I mean? for yeah we're, we were trading the the recruiting aspects that we were you know yeah back so when we were, you know we, we so we go to the big 10 we took great right, yeah basically all of his recruiting pipeline so he had yeah. to try to come up with other ways and areas to do that yeah. and it wasn't that he was ill and he still it won was just, games yeah no it was just like look at his last his second to last team there uh that was what 2014 or 2015 um his last year there was 2015 wasn't it no it was 2014 his last yeah, year 2014 there. yeah 2014. 2014 look at look at look at his team and how many of those players are still playing in the nfl like a lot like randy gregory was on that team um malik collins was on that team um uh, uh nate gary was on that team amir abdullah um you know, like a lot of really talented Andy guys. Wasn't Andy technically on that team? Yes. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He yeah, didn't have so the breakout year until uh, Riley's first Riley, year. Riley, but he was on the team. Yeah, um, but he was on the team. He was on the team. Sue didn't sniff the field with Callahan. And then and then all of nope. a sudden, he was, I mean, all of a sudden he comes in. And in 2008, he was incredible. That's what people mm -hmm. forget. Is he had, I mean, his senior year was an incredibly record-breaking year. But his junior year was great, too. I mean, he was dominant. A force yeah, and there, there was of talk years. of him like going in the first round, and he came back, which was a little bit like of a shock to people. But it was but, worth it because <laughs> yeah, I mean that yeah, dude made his mark on it. college football. You can't talk about the greatest college D lineman of all time without mentioning Dominic and Sue. No um, Heisman Trophy candidate and but yeah. yeah so we gave up our recruiting base coming to the big 10 really and we've been trying to get our claws into other areas of the country and the shift this year is all of a sudden we are getting not just good recruiters but recruiting aces from specific areas that we really needed mm -hmm. 
So Brian Applewhite was one of the better recruiters on that TCU staff. And that TCU staff punched above their weight when it came to getting talent. 100%. They totally punched above their weight. He would always get really good running backs in there. Always had a strong room. And he's got that Texas connection. He's been in the Dallas area. I mean... Um, and then you have yeah, Mickey. And, and that was that, and that was at TCU, like mm-hmm. never a powerhouse, and getting yep. like good quality players there. You have to at least know how to pitch your program, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's well, a lot easier you when you're Mickey. at Nebraska. Yeah. Then you have Mickey, who's a hometown Louisiana guy, lots of talent in Louisiana, but also just being a recruiter at, at LSU, you, you you recruit that southeast area of the country. So he's he's got his hand in places like Georgia and in places like uh, South Florida as well. I mean, like mm-hmm. that, the, those types of places you recruit when you're at LSU. Um, and then you got Bill Bush. And Bill Bush is 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 a guy who has recruited those places that I'm talking about, but he also mm-hmm. knows Nebraska really well. This is his second stint being a coach on the staff here, and he is very familiar with recruiting both the Kansas City area and the St. Louis area. He's very familiar with both of those places. So that's really what they've tasked him to do. They're, they're having him recruit the local Nebraska area as well as Kansas yeah. City and St. Louis. And um, we, we got a commit out of a guy from St. Louis the other day after the Friday Night Lights camp, a wide receiver named Jaden Doss. Um, yeah. He's really interesting. Out of Missouri, really right? interesting player. Yeah, out of St. Louis. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a slippery wet bug, real, real – uh, Real quick feet in tight spaces. Um, yeah, I, I saw I saw his film. Um, it, it just I'm gonna rewind a little bit because uh, I yeah. don't uh, look at myself as a savant when it comes to remembering certain details of coaching staff and turnover and stuff like that. You said Bill Bush was this is his second time on our staff. Yeah, he he uh, coached under Bill Callahan as well. Oh, um, did he? Okay. Yeah, he got he got a job. Was uh, he Kevin like an analyst or Kevin Steele gave him a job? You know Kevin Steele, long time Nebraska assistant, yeah. and then he was like a long time Auburn assistant. Low key, people say that like he the success they had when they had it, people are like it was Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele is a very well known name, but anyway, um, Bill Bush, <laughs> Bill Bush, the story behind how he got his first stint at Nebraska is he just hung around the coaching staff. And did stuff. You went out, went out to bars with them. And yeah, like no, no, like went, to, and, and went out to the, putt. And, no, no, just like around the the facility, doing whatever they needed him to do. And and eventually they were like, "You want to, you want to be an assistant?" <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's how it worked. He told the story. Um, but yeah, he's and he's a really good recruiter. Uh, Ed uh, Ed Ordron said he thought Bill Bush was maybe his best recruiter on his staff. Um, so that's the that, and and it's already. All of that is already showing itself. We're, we're getting the yeah. types and caliber of players, especially when you look at our transfer portal stuff, getting the types and caliber of players that like Nebraska has not had since we no. were dominant. We just haven't no. had those types of players since we were really and good. I, no, and I think we touched on this last time, but like... And we'll touch on it next guys, time too. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it until these guys prove that they're yeah. like busts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> look, every, like, every Nebraska com- fan from, is in show me the money mode, you know? Yeah, I mean? but Show like, me the money coming into the off season like getting guys that are transferring from like Alabama or LSU like from the SEC to Nebraska off of a three win season sure i like, agree with the Alabama sentiment for sure I, more than anything getting guys who were significant playing time guys who have significant experience on winning teams and you're getting them to transfer to a losing team. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. Mean? So, That's like just crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. So that that to me is like two factors. One is the whole NIL bit. That helps. Um, but another one is like you can be offered all the money in the world. These guys just want to win because you can make all the money in the world in college. But they just want they want to play professional ball. That's like everybody's goal. They don't want to stop playing because – you want to still compete and you want to do the thing that you love, right? Mm-hmm. So that you want to go to a program that you feel is going to give you the best chance to do that. So winning teams almost that, always have more more guys drafted too, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So you go to a place like Nebraska, something our coaching staff is relaying to them, just in sort of like confidence or just something they're telling these guys just a a sort of like air about them is giving them the confidence to be like, you know what? Yes, 
I'm going to go there. We're going to win. We're going to we're going to be the ones that are going to do this. We're going to bring Nebraska back because Nebraska is a blue blood. So it's it's like a double edged, not a double edged sword, but like it's like the NIL bit. I can make a lot of money and I think that we can win. So it's not like just because of NIL, all that stuff. It's it's the coaching staff and stuff. They're telling these players to get them here, too, because you can make you can make a lot of money at Texas. But right now, you're not going to win. Uh-uh. And you'll make and more not money get drafted. if you win, too. You're just going to make more money if you win. Yep. Like, think about it. If you're a Nebraska team, or shoot, if you're Texas, let's, let's take Texas for an example so I don't sound like a homer. Say you're at Texas, and you go 5-7, and seven, but you're the starting quarterback, and you you know have a good touchdown-to-interception ratio. Like, everyone likes you. Like Casey yada, Thompson, yada, yada. yeah. Sure, he's an example. <laughs> yeah. Um, Say you're there, and you might get NIL opportunities from local Texas and 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 from boosters and from things like that. But if you're Texas and you're the starting quarterback on a Texas team that goes 12 and 0 in the regular season, wins the Big 12, gets into the playoff, and is a national marketable brand with them horns, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're going to have brands that are way outside of Texas that are going to be trying to. Sell. You're going to have Nike. You're going to have you know you're going to have all these brands. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Gatorade. You're going to have like all these things. That are that are going to be available to you that wouldn't have been available to you if 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 you were a losing team and the same thing is with Nebraska because ultimately these teams that are blue bloods that have um, that have huge dedicated fan bases it's there's going to be a pop effect for their brand if they mm-hmm. pop um, yeah and 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 Nebraska is no different I mean that's, yeah and, that's and the some, truth. something that's really like kind of interesting because like last year was the first year that like players could really leverage the NAL stuff uh, during the season. July. It, yeah, it, July it, was, it was July year. of last year. And I, I just remember like uh, the Clemson quarterback. Yeah. He signed a like $1.2 million deal with Dr. Pepper because they thought he was going to be in the, Clemson was going to be in the playoffs and all this other stuff. And he had a, he had a terrible year. They didn't have at like least an in awful the Doctor Pepper were... ACC championship game. At least they yeah, didn't get that. yeah, at least <laughs> no, they didn't get that. No, so but you look at Clemson and Clemson has been good for the past seven years, like really yeah. good past seven years. But they're yeah. not like a blue blood college football team yep. like Dabo Sweeney has done a good job of building up that program to be that and I don't see them going back down but they don't have the backing of these generational people that are just loyal putting money into the program donating stuff like this that a program like Nebraska does or even with the like deep roots I mean like, yeah, look, with the deep they've roots. built it they've built quite a quite a reputation for their brand especially this past decade my my thing about Clemson is Dabo is my read on him is that he is very resistant to the new order of things. He's very resistant to change. Mm-hmm. And look, fa- flashback two years. Okay, what was Scott Frost talking about? Scott Frost was talking about this is going to ruin college football. We don't need to be doing this. This is bad for football. You know, he was talking about all the same thing. Pretty much every coach is talking about. Flash forward a year, last July. Trev Alberts gets instated as the athletic director and NIL drops where you all of a sudden you can pay players. And Trev had the foresight for all this. He was he was hired to be this guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so he, he gets Scott on his page um, and all of a sudden Nebraska is is positioned for this world. Um, so it, mm-hmm. it just it doesn't take much. But a team like Clemson, the way I see it, man, is. They haven't done much. They haven't had much activity. I haven't heard many many things about who someone going to NIL or Clemson for NIL deal. Person transferring to Clemson. I haven't heard much about that. So I'm like, mm, they must be resistant to the the new way of things. And look, yeah, if you have a strong high school recruiting base and a great culture of development, like a team like Alabama, you're still gonna go try to get all the five stars you can get from high school. The players got to come from somewhere. But at the end of the day, there's there's teams that can be powerhouses in 365 days simply from going and getting, you know, 15 new experienced players at the right positions. That's all it really takes. Um, Michigan state proved it last year. Um, So, yeah, no, definitely. uh, Via Brian Christopherson, Husker two, four, seven. He wrote an article about it in an interview with Mickey. He said, uh, 
you don't have to have a huge board of recruits. Focus is important. Here's the question. You said Coach O offered good advice on how to start and finish a recruitment right. What does that look like exactly? Make sure they're hearing the same thing, that mm -hmm. you don't go sideways with them, that you don't over-communicate with them, that you don't call them every day. I don't call them every day. I don't text them every day. Like I say, I shot my shot with you. You're 16 years old. I'm 54. What are we going to talk about every day? <laughs> you try to keep it as genuine and as real as you can. You're not going to sit there and call a 16-year-old every day. And as far as finishing with them where they can't, uh, when they can't tell you no, make it so that they can't say, I'm not coming because the relationship is so strong. That's one of the things I learned from Coach O. Like I always say, if I'm not fighting for you at the end, it means you're not the good one. I want to fight at the end. I don't want it to come easy. I want to fight at the end because if I'm fighting Georgia and Alabama and Iowa and Wisconsin and Ohio State for a kid, I know he's a good one because I got some good ones after him. So I want to fight till the end. Mm -hmm. You just hear that and you're like, dude, dude yeah, what a straight so, shooter, man. <laughs> so you you have to you have to like respect it because, and then look at the guys that we've got. So the guys that we've got are the guys that he really believes in. Like, I think before with the other coaching staff, we got really good recruiting classes. We've had rec good recruiting classes under Scott Frost almost the entire time he was there. But it was like, oh, you're a four-star, a oh, uh, three-star that should be a four-star, a oh, four-star that, you know, could be a five-star, but yep. not like getting the guy that, you know, they were more so looking at, oh, you're a talent come please yeah. it was not like i believe in you i want to develop you you can be the next like person you know so i i really appreciate that kind of mindset when it comes to recruiting because mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to court these kids the kids should mm -hmm. want to come to you and that's mm -hmm. the kind of mindset that that kind of entails you know a hundred percent uh i have more so if you could change one thing about recruiting uh, set up, what would it be? And the reminder, this is Mickey Joseph uh, mm -hmm. quotes. Uh, I just think we got to get a hold on the NIL thing and how the NCAA wants to do it and balance it off. Because right now, I don't think you need to be a strong recruiter if you've got a good NIL program. My thing is, I think we're out here playing a professional game with college rules. It's like we want to treat them as professionals, but you still got to be under these college rules. My thing is, if you want to dive in in this thing hey let's dive in this thing let's make everything a contact period let's dive in it let's treat it like free agency just just like the nfl because that's what it is so some guys want who i'd call weak recruiters they're getting uh, getting to be pretty good if they're at a school with a good nil program because that's what it's going to come down to and listen i don't blame the kids get what you're worth schools have been making money off these kids for a long time so now they came up with this but i think we need to figure it out uh, if we're going to get into it, let's open it up and make it just like the NFL. Let's increase the staffs and do all that. Because if you got 85 kids, shoot, you put some walk-ons on NIL deals. Now all of a sudden you have 125 kids with 20 some <laughs> coaches. Now let's open it up. Let's let everybody coach. It makes more sense because it isn't going to do anything, but get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I read no. that and I'm like, yo, Frost's new guys, especially they get it, man. They get it. Whether yeah. you like it or not, and, this is the direction no, that college football is going. See, and see, I love the new coaching hires mm -hmm. like for this purpose. They're bringing in this like kind of like it's not like if we win, we're going to win. And mm -hmm. this is how we're going to do it. And this is how we want to run things. And they're, they're like thinking of it as like chess, you know. And mm -hmm. that's why like I'm a little bit nervous about the season because if we don't have a good season these guys aren't going to be at nebraska for more than a year mm -hmm. <laughs> and i want them to be i want mm -hmm. frost to have success too but i want these guys here as well and mm -hmm. if if we don't have a good year i'm sorry but frost is in the can yeah and you know what looking at the the, the moves he made from the outside looking in, I mean, I'm not saying that, I, that I'm that i an expert at this, but they're the moves I probably would have made too, just looking at it from my perspective. I was looking at his staff, yeah. and it's just like, okay, well, his defensive staff has improved steadily every year. Seems like they've they got a good culture over there. They play consistently. Um, yep. And then the offensive staff was just a revolving door of, of different philosophies and different weirdness, and he needed to replace it. The, to, to me, yeah. one of the more interesting dynamics about this whole team is – the idea of maybe the two most interesting K 
characters or player coaches that we got being on opposing position groups. So like you got, you know, you got practice going and you got the wide receivers going against the D backs. You know what I mean? You got Travis Fisher's guys going against Mickey Joseph's guys. I just would love to like, I would love to witness that the, the, the talk, all that type of stuff. I'm sure it happens. You got Trey Palmer on one side. They have, they have open practices. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They do. Uh, I mean, you're you're only what like a uh, fifteen hour drive away. Yeah, only fifteen hour drive. Only fifteen hour drive. Uh, he did have a quote on that too. I wanted to read real quick. He said, "You like going against Travis Fisher and his guys every day." He said, "Oh yes. I mean, he reminds me so much of uh, uh, with his teaching ability of Corey Raymond. He's really into it. The kids can understand what he's saying. He's not talking over their heads. He does a really good job with all of them, the corners, the safeties, and the nickels. But I do go uh, enjoy going against him because I know his kids are going to compete. It's a blessing to be able to go against each other and a guy like him because you can learn so much from those guys. I talk to the DBs every day. Uh, we shoot things by each other, but Fisher is one of the sharper guys I've been around, and he reminds me of a lot of guys I've coached with so i don't know just you you just hear those types of things from uh from these leaders and you're like damn man i like these guys <laughs> yeah their, their personality just oozes through yep. and everything they say you know what i mean like that yeah. was the thing about those offensive staff like outside of verdu he's a character of course but the, those dudes a lot of them lubic i mean they just seemed like a you know like a like you're watching paint dry on a wall whenever no, you're watching that interview and Say what you want about the defense and the detractors will be like, well, defense doesn't come through when it matters, but guess what? Offense put them in a bad position nine times out of 10. Like you can stop and you can bend, don't break. That's our defense. It's bend, don't break. They're, they're tough. They play hard. They're going to give up scores, but they're well coached and they're going to do that. But if you look at the the offense, you say bend, don't break, but they haven't had any supporting unit. You know what I mean? They haven't had an offense to back them up, so it's or like we spe- don't even really special know. teams. Exactly. Like, so yeah, it's like we no. don't even really know the potential of like this defensive scheme. It, it, it looks like exactly. they could be a really good unit if they had some support. Exactly. But my, my whole point is like, but you talk, you see the staff talking, and they're like out there like giving like conferences and stuff, and you see them being confident in what they're doing. You know, not uh, really being hesitant in like what they're teaching and like saying oh we're, we're doing this the, this guy's doing this we're feeling really confident giving coach talk but the vibe you get isn't oh i hope this works you know they're always mm-hmm. like this is this is working mm-hmm. so but you go on the, the offensive side and the past two years uh since lubick got there and just because that was the whole shake up or whatever and it's always been under frost like oh uh yeah uh you know it's it's going okay uh you know they they, they might uh, these guys are going good um i hope they learn the playbook <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's like not a lot of confidence on the offensive mm-hmm. side and even the players are like yeah like adrian yeah you know uh, we're going and i i really trust my guys but you know <laughs> we're, we're learning uh as a team so learning as a team is code word for, oh, we are not as good as we need to be and we don't know how to get there. <laughs> yeah. Might as well just say something like, yeah, we had to stop practice a lot because we needed to learn what we were doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? But that doesn't sound as good. <laughs> yeah. It always felt like a, like a ship without a captain, that, that side of the ball. Always mm-hmm. felt like a ship without a captain because everyone knew Frost was the captain, but he'd appoint these guys in leadership roles, and but they'd be like pseudo leadership roles. That's the big thing about this year is like when we can sit here and talk about Frost trusting his offensive staff in June, mm-hmm. but when we're playing Michigan down the stretch and we and and you know we're down two scores and our offense hadn't been firing all cylinders, are we going to be able to trust Scott to just let Mark do his thing? You know what I mean? Or, or is, or mean, is he, he getting he, no run the option? Like, no. <laughs> Hell, don't, don't bash the option. That was the I'm one of the things that, that, that was one of the things this year that they brought back I that agree, actually worked. I agree. I but, agree. But it's but, just that that's the thing you could say. No, no, <laughs> no, you're right though. But a lot of the good, good, good coaches, the Dabos, the Sabins, you know, the, Belichick, even like they aren't, coordinators 
in a they're head not coaching role. No, they they have an option to say, "Hey, no, I don't want to run that play." Of they're course. game managers, you know. They they mm-hmm. you know have this kind of feel to where they can look at all aspects of the game, make switches where they want to, and kind of manage it like chess, as opposed to what Scott not necessarily this year. Um, and Lubick wasn't as good of a play caller as we thought he was going to be when he Scott gave up play calling, remember? Um, but, you know, having that just freedom to look at the game as it's going and make changes to where this is my team, I can make this change. Not necessarily, I have to make a gay plan, I have to stick to this, I have to call this the Chip Kelly approach, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that that's where Scott came from is the Chip Kelly approach is I'm running the offense defense do what you want which defense do what you want if you have the people there again they've been doing that but if you aren't confident in your players and your coordinators to give you that feedback it's going to go down the rails so it is really interesting to see this year how it's going to go and I don't think Scott Frost is the most prideful guy in the world where he's going to try to just take over it because he wants it to work. It doesn't seem like it. I will say one of the weakest aspects of Scott's coaching has been his game managing. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And, and game managing is the type of thing that some people just have, you know what I mean? Some people are baseball type minded people, you know what I mean? And that's essentially people that play Madden more than others. Yeah. Uh, no, let me expand on my point because people are going to think I'm an idiot because I just said baseball, but I'm I do mean baseball because think about it. No. If you're if you're a baseball player, it's about situations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, run around second, two outs. What do I do? Where do I put the ball here? I need to know immediately what I'm going to do with it. You know what I mean? There's no thinking, and that comes with experience. Some people just have it, but a lot of times it comes with experience. And with football, it's the same thing. You get into situations. All kinds of stuff can happen in a football game, and when you're Scott. And you've only coached for 15 years, and I'm not knocking him, but that's the reality. Um, you just haven't seen as many situations. That's mm-hmm. just the reality. And when you're Mark Whipple and you've coached for 150 years, you know what I mean? Yeah. You've seen you've seen every scenario. So when the and scenarios the flips, come up, yeah, yeah. Now on the flip side of that, I'm going to give you another baseball analogy because uh, you can get really set in your ways when you think something's working. So you know who Joe Giardi is. He's a baseball manager. He was uh, with the Yankees when they were really good. Uh, He was the Phillies manager up until a couple weeks ago. So they they fired him because he was just mismanaging the team. He was doing it his way. He was a World Series winning manager, like multiple World Series with the Yankees. Since he got fired, the Phillies have won like nine straight. And they were just like... Win, loss, 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 win, win, loss, loss, loss. But they've won eight straight and they've been looking so much better without him there. But he was still have bad. Ryan Howard and like Chase Utley <laughs> and Shane Victorino. <laughs> no, 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 no. But no, so my, <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Those guys are all retired. Um, <laughs> but my point is if you get set in your ways and say, this works, this works, this works, this works, you can't adjust. To be like, okay, what do I have to work with? This is how I'm going to make what I have to work with work. So mm-hmm. it, sometimes it takes that little change to make something work. So that's my little 100%. baseball analogy for something I've been seeing very recently. Because yeah. Joe Giardi is not a bad manager. I don't think Scott Frost is a bad coach. But sometimes you have to take a step back, say, okay, I have to reimagine what I'm going to do to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think Scott Frost is young enough to where he can make this change and then become the coach that everybody thought he was going to be six years ago. Six years ago. It's just crazy. Cause you look back at that coaching cycle and it's like, he's been the worst one. <laughs> you know, He's been no. the least successful one. He has on paper, Blake. I mean, he has had the least okay. amount of wins out of like all okay. those guys. Okay. On paper. Yes. Look at our teams, though. Physically, just look at our teams. Uh, the 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 past the last two Riley years, just just look at our offensive line. And I I know our offensive line hasn't been anything to write home about, but just look at how they're being trained. Look, they just look like fat asses on the field, like playing patty cake. 
like playing like, patty remember, cake. remember that bs year it was like riley's second year where yeah we went like seven and oh yeah we went like easy ass schedule mm-hmm. yeah they had an easy schedule we went seven and oh and every nebraska fan knew every nebraska fan knew like we're not good <laughs> like like i don't yeah. be mistaken like i don't know why we keep winning games but we're not we're not good and, yeah. and then what i what just game waiting was for the shoe around? to strap Oh, Ohio State. Oh, uh, yeah. We got our 60 to three. Kicked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my we, God. We thought Tommy Armstrong <laughs> broke his. Do you remember? That was actually pretty, like, Last how we were, kind of, we were We were kind of like a paper tiger in that one. Last in that year one. was the opposite. Last year was the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Last year was the exact opposite of that one Riley year where we won all the games, but, like, we were terrible. This year, like, we lost all the games, but we were actually good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. No, but I was going to say, like, the the turning point uh, for what we were talking about was the Ohio State game. And if you remember, that game was really scary just in terms of, like, football because Tommy Armstrong went down on the sideline and we thought he had broken his neck. Do you remember that? That was crazy. Like, that was really, really scary. Uh, not just as a Nebraska fan, but as a football fan, because you never want to see that, and you oh, of very not. you never see that in like and didn't collegiate what's his ball face and, have to come in? Uh, Riker Fife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, we were already getting killed. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> and no. and, it, and I was like, well, this ain't gonna help. No. But yeah, I feel like this year is gonna be different. I feel like this year's finally the year where we're gonna win the games and be good. That's that's a that's a big difference. Um, yep. So a couple things to go over real quick. Um, mm-hmm. So I've heard through the grapevine that Ramir Johnson is uh, is going to be or not. I don't know what is going to be, but he's working at slot. They're they're mm-hmm. experimenting working him at, at slot receiver. And um, thoughts. Uh, thoughts is that's great because. I mean, our receiving core is the best it's ever been. Uh, Trey Palmer is a slot guy. Um, but getting Ramirez on the field any way he can, that dude is a baller. Like, he is a very small back. He's very small for running back. But he runs tough, and he's elusive. So his skill set is very much so not at Wandell level, because Wandell is a freak. But it's kind of adjacent to that, you know, he, he's really shifty and any way he can get on the field, he's going to make a play. So and he's running the end before been reliable yeah, well, for us. Yeah, before. no, I mean, no and he, you he has game, give him a chance. You know? Yeah, no, in his game experience. But if he's going to get on the field, it can't just be at running back. If he's in the rotation at running back, that's fine. If he's in the rotation at slot, that's fine. But our running back room is pretty stacked uh right now like potentially uh, yeah yeah it's you know, all potentially poten- that's what you have no, to no 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 you say potentially but we have yant uh irvin showed big sparks last year with our, our he was running the ball still when our offensive line hadn't really started to figure it out last and year he was a freshman and, and he was, was a freshman. freshman. He, he moved. Yeah. He moved to the, the the front of the pack, and he was a freshman. That's pretty. Yeah. So, and he's he's that came out this week that he's fully healthy, ready to compete. Uh, and then that's Anthony great. Grant. And then Anthony Grant, like you have those, just those three guys, just mm-hmm. those three, and there are more. So, mm-hmm. getting Brody Ramir Bell's jo- reliable. Yeah, Brody Bell. Um, I, I, Brody, he, Brody Bell is working out the slot too. Really. Yeah, I mean yeah. those types of dudes. I, I like that. I like them to at least be versatile. Where they they play running back, they understand how to pick up a, 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 a blitz if they really need to. But you know, you could really use them use use them wherever. I mean, having more weapons everywhere is good. For, just good for the team. Generally. Yeah, and no, no, and just getting your playmakers on the field, which I think is the thing that has frustrated me the most about our offense in the past three years is you say like, Oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. And we see film on them. And when they get in, we're like, okay, why isn't he on the field more? Uh, because of rotate rotation, I, I guess like Oliver Martin was on the field a lot and he never really has done much. And I'm not saying that Oliver Martin isn't talented. He probably practices really well and he's probably a good player, 
But he, if he's getting snaps over somebody that like gets the ball once and like like Alante Brown gets in trash time and then he makes like a catch on the sideline, makes a juke, and I'm like, why isn't he in? He can do that against the first teamers. You the know? stuff you're explaining right now has been my feeling about just Nebraska football generally almost ever since I've been watching and really paying attention because you see all these players. It's like, oh, we got these. We got this guy. We got this guy. You're like, and then you see who's out there. You're like, come on, put that other guy out there. Come on. It doesn't <laughs> now, matter. And, and I'm smarter than you. Put that other guy out there. You know well, what I mean? And, and that's the nature of fandom. It's always but like. There's been less of that with Scott Frost. That's my point. Like mm-hmm. when Scott's first class came in, let me tell you the. I remember watching interviews with like the recruits that were starting to commit right after Scott was hired. And you know who were the three people I was most impressed with and most excited about? Cam Taylor Britt. Adrian Martinez. Cam Caleb Tanner. And Adrian Martinez. That was the third. But to be fair, Cam Taylor Britt. Insanely good player for us. In second, I second mean, round draft pick. Second round draft pick. I mean, met his expectations and exceeded them. Uh, mm-hmm. Incredible player. Caleb Tanner. Had, we could use more productivity about him, uh, out of him, but we've really seen the flashes, and he's going to be really good this year, I think. Yeah. No, um, it was a good choice for him to come back. And then Adrian Martinez, regardless of how you feel about him, he was our starting quarterback for four years. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? And, I mean? You know, and – People give him a lot of crap because he's the quarterback of Nebraska and you get the praise and takeaway. He's he kept us in games and then lost it for us, too. So, like, you can't have it him do everything. It's it, it's like the law of diminishing diminishing returns, you know. So he's kept us in the game for this much. And then like the Michigan game. He had a phenomenal game. He threw an interception that was like contested ball, but that was really his only fault in that game until that fumble on the last drive. And knowing that he was playing with a broken jaw, that's side point, but he's kept us in the game that long, right? And then he made that one play, and that's what they remember him for, is that one play. And that is his legacy at Nebraska is the one play that he gave up the game, forgetting that he kept us in the game for so long, you know? And if we had a running game, if we had, uh, you know, some receivers that could just, you know, take over, if we had a uh, special teams that could just punt without <laughs> something being running back, you know, that is something that really hurt Martinez at Nebraska mm-hmm. because he wouldn't have felt the pressure and I don't think he would have made those game-changing mistakes at the end if he trusted in that. Because you That's know, a fair it, point. It's, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of nerves. It is, and I think he's going to do well at K State. Um, in his words uh he wanted to win so that's why he went there <laughs> to be but, fair like what are you gonna again i say the same thing about that that i say about the other thing it's like what are you gonna say they ask you well why did you transfer it's like what well, you're right i should have just quit and become an insurance salesman because i love nebraska yeah. so much i, di- I didn't want to make them feel bad yeah. like no like He's going to say, I wanted to come win something. And it didn't look like that was going to be a possibility for me to win something at a starting yeah. position at Nebraska. No, and, and I think here. he's a lot more suited for a Big 12 game. 100%. And, and honestly, it's a little ridiculous when those articles come out, taking his words and putting him in a headline to imply that he's shit-talking Nebraska, when no. in all reality, we both know he's not. Yeah. Um, no. And, and if he, if like, he really, I don't even pay attention to it. No, and if he really cared about, like – nebraska that he wouldn't have gone to k-state you know like he would have gone back home if he really thought like oh yeah i hate this area i hate this because kansas is nebraska (laughs) so yeah and at the end of the day he did like let's be real adrian martinez did not commit to nebraska adrian martinez committed to scott frost and to coach verdusco that's who Mm -hmm. he committed to and, yeah. and he basically has said as much. And that's how college football works these days. That's why yeah. a guy like Mickey Joseph is such a valuable guy to have on your staff because he understands that. Yeah. you got to build the relationship. And Scott and Coach V obviously did with, with Adrian, but they left. Yeah. No, and, and give, give give Verdusco his credit. He did. Re- they did recruit some pretty talented 
quarterbacks, whether it was develop, developing them into, you know, starting players, that is where he kind of faulted. Like he, he was really like in terms of mechanics, he really was uh, uh, liking like the off center throws and all this other stuff. You have if you're going to do that, that's like an add on. But that was his base. You know what I mean? Like you have to work on footwork. You have to get your footwork down, down pat before you work on cross body, like off center. That was what they were working on. So, and when you look at um, the, what the quarterbacks are saying now from what was different is, oh yeah, we're going back to basics. We're, we're working on a lot more footwork than we used to do. Okay, that's a big red flag of, as to why Adrian didn't develop. So, Coach Verduzco would basically be like, another baseball analogy. He would take a highly touted pitcher out of, out of high school. He'd be like, oh, you're a highly touted pitcher. Wow, look at you. <laughs> Let's come in. We're going to start you the first year, and we're going to teach you how to throw a submarine. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, like, that, that's perfect. Perfect analogy there. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, they're, they're, okay, maybe he would be deadly if you really got good at submarine. But, like, if you really want a submarine guy, why don't you go get a submarine guy? And my, my point is the offensive philosophy for what was there the past year, the past four years at Nebraska, it was conducive to a highly specialized talent at, at the quarterback position mm-hmm. because you needed a guy who could perform his own reads and options and really damage you with his legs like a running and back. And somebody that already had a really great knowledge of reading defenses. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that Adrian just – he guessed, guessed, mm-hmm. guessed. And, and that's coaching. You can't, guess, you can't guess when you're trying to run like an RPO system or, or no, with, with no. option and like you, you can't no. guess. Like, <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> no. Um, so and this this offensive philosophy seems much more, I don't want to say run of the mill, but at least much more focused. You know what I mean? Much more focused. Yeah. Like we're going to have an identity. And so when yeah. you recruit a guy like Chuba or a guy like Casey, like – they probably do certain things not as good as a guy like Adrian or maybe even a guy like Logan. Yeah. But they do other things so much better. I mean, Casey seems like a cerebral guy. Um, yeah. And, and there was an article that came out of um, his like day to day things that he's doing for the team. Did you see that one? Yeah. Uh, it, it was really like conducive to the fact that like he is trying you know he's he wants everything to work and he's like he's putting in the work to get his guys trust and also learning what he has to do to make everybody else look good and of course from from and i again i don't want to go back to adrian but listening to casey talk and listening to adrian talk casey sounds confident Mm mm-hmm Adrian sounded like he was just high all the time. <laughs> like, like, no, he, he, he did. I, he probably, yeah, he, like, I don't probably, disagree. He probably wasn't, but it, it always sounded like, yeah, you know, I'm uh, doing this and uh, we're going there. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, you're a good guy. But like, Casey is like, we're doing this. Like, he sounds like a general versus like a mm-hmm. platoon. He's men, very sure you know? footed. Yeah. Very sure-footed in his words. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, well, the that, one, that the great. one thing, the one thing I have about Casey is um, last year when I was, I was, I watched all of Texas's games last year, all okay. of them, like front to back, just every single snap. And the one thing that I have against him is when the line play wasn't good he started to not be good and that is the one thing it's not his fault because that's like your quarterback as a quarterback you have to have a good line so if our line is shit casey's not going to be good no. here either no you know he'll still be better than adrian i think though because look adrian didn't have a good line either and he couldn't see open receivers when he did have a line. true true you know what i mean so it's true like, and, and Ka- i think casey day, has a better arm at the end of the day, if he puts up statistical numbers anywhere close to what he put up at Texas, like we're going to be a better team. Like we yeah. just are. 
Yeah, uh, that's, and, a, that's what, a good. That's actually a good segue into what I was going to talk about because um, the other day I um, talked to you about this a little bit mm-hmm. to get uh, a bit of a list together of players who this next season is a make or break season for them as. I mean, as football players, at least at football players, as football players at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys who they got to figure out how to make, make, you know, how to get on the field this year. They got to figure out how to make waves for their name and for, you know, they got to figure it out. And if they don't this year, it probably mm-hmm. isn't going to happen at, at least at Nebraska. Um, mm-hmm. So not seniors. I wouldn't say seniors. Uh, I wouldn't really include them in this list. It's more like a, it's more if like you're not going to get on the field gonna, now, then you're not going yeah, to. There's yeah. just not going to be room for you. Like uh, yeah. with new new guys coming in and all that stuff. So I have I have three guys. I have a little bit more, but I'm going to wait for who you pick. Um, so my first guy is uh, Bryce Binhart. Uh, Bryce Binhart was, is, and I think is still the most highly rated recruit on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. And uh, four-star verging on five-star, I believe. I mean, he's four high four-star recruit. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, first year he was he came out and looked pretty good, had some mistakes, but is like oh, it chalked it up to oh he's a freshman you know and, that, and that's a normal thing. Last year, um, he got a zero. I don't know how else to put it. He graded out almost every game at a zero, meaning whenever there was an, an assignment for him to make, and I want to specify he's a tackle and we're talking about pass pro. Okay, I'm sure he's a fine run blocker. Um, different. There's a difference, but on pass pro plays, uh, he graded out as zero every game. <laughs> like yeah. anytime there was a play for him to be ma- to to make, and it was a pass play, he whiffed. I mean, he just doesn't didn't seem like he had the feet. I don't know what it is. So he's got to figure it out this year. And if he doesn't, the the somebody's going to replace him. Yep. Um. So that's one. Uh, number two is Alante Brown. And Alante oh, Brown, okay. Alante Brown is a little bit of a, huh, type pick. But think about it. Yes, he's he's a, a guy who's been on our team for a while. But ultimately, he's always been on the verge. Every single year, it's been is this the year that Alante Brown becomes the household uh-huh. name on the team? And this is gonna have to be the year. Yeah, for him, it, it yep. is. It's because if it's not, it, it, there's no option. Alante Brown is is uh. He's he's a receiver and it's a deep receiver room, um, yeah. Very deep receiver room, but I think that's just going to push everybody. And from the whispers of it, sounds like Alante is in a good mind space and really, really yeah. is trying to uh, get better. Yeah, and, and making waves. Like his mm-hmm. his name comes up a lot more this year. Yep. So, um, and then my third one is uh, Tyreek Johnson. Um, Tyreek Johnson is like uh, a name that's like Tyreek Johnson. He's still on the team. Jeez. You, you know what I mean? Because it's like yeah. it felt like forever ago that we were all so excited. Like, oh, five star. Five star DB from Ohio from State. From Ohio State. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and it's like, well, he hasn't found the field even here. So yeah. maybe what does that speak to? But we'll see. I mean, this is a year where a lot of change can happen. So we'll see. Tyreek could, could make the field and we might – you know, be talking about him here in a couple mm-hmm. of months in a good way um, or not. And if he doesn't, yeah. it's probably a break year. So yeah, those are my three. Those are your three. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's my three. I'm going to start with one that we have in common. Uh, Alante Brown, because in my mind, so he was always at a disadvantage. He was a quarterback in high school, uh, but he was not going to be a quarterback in college football. He's too small. Um, you know, arm strength, whatever. So he decided to go to receiver. It's fine. He's very, he's very good, very quick, very agile. Um, and I think that he's starting to figure it out. This is his third year in the system and he's, you know, getting the mechanics down, getting the offense down and just being a receiver coming from the mindset of a quarterback. I kind of look at him like a Greg Ward type, you know? Mm. So Greg Ward, uh, quarterback for Houston. Now he's a wide receiver. He was so wide receiver in, in, yeah, no, he was great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's on the Eagles now and he, he had to transfer over to receiver, never played receiver. And now he's, you know, he just sounded 
uh, contract extension, and he was a walk like not a walk on, uh, a uh, uh, free agent. Didn't so, he have like, like a game winning catch was, oh, in yeah. the Super Bowl? Was it in no, the Super Bowl no, no, or no, was no, it no. a playoff no, no, game? No, 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 it was the year after the Super Bowl. That was his breakout okay, year. Was, the year there after. was like some game winning catch in the corner of the end zone that was like an incredible catch. That was Greg Ward. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're I an mean, Eagles I, fan. You tell me. I mean, he's had a lot of good play. Like it, it's one of those things that, like, if the ball's getting thrown to Greg Ward, he's gonna catch it, whether he good. like makes a break or does this. But he's I, a good that's athlete. The, he's a good athlete. That's 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 kind of like my mindset. Is that is how With I Alante. see Alante Brown, um, and I think Alante Brown is even more shifty than Greg Ward. So. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I look at him and I see him on the field and I see this and that. And I'm just like, get him on the field. But if he doesn't happen this year, he's a junior now. How, how much longer do you have? So yeah. we both have that one in common. Plus, the, plus if, if the, the, the other thing is, if these guys we're talking about don't get on the field and we don't have success, guess what? The whole team, it's a make or break year for the whole team. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. if these guys don't get on the field and then we do have success, it's like, well, that's what we're really talking about is like yeah. if we have success, ultimately, we're going to start recruiting better. We're going to have we're going to have be in the NIL era with success. And, it, yeah. and all of a sudden you're going to get more guys coming in and there just won't be room. Yeah. So another one that I have is uh, <laughs> this might be a little controversial for you, uh, but maybe not. Omar Manning. Oh, that's yeah, a good, that's an interesting yeah. pick. So Omar Manning, because he's shown flashes and he catches the ball, he, he just looks like an NFL wide receiver out there, you know. And I don't know if it's him not being in the right position or not having the quarterback to facilitate him. So it could be like either way. I think it. I think it's the second one. I he think was pretty clutch one. against OU, bro. He was he was he was in the right position against uh, OU. Shit. No, no, I'm I'm not saying that he hasn't made great catches and made great plays. Yeah. I'm just saying like when he was the number one JUCO transfer two years ago, and he didn't see the field in 2020. Now we know why because he had a lot of um, I don't want to say mental things because that sounds bad. Personal issues. He, he had personal issues and. He seems like he's gotten through that. Nebraska has done, not just him, um, uh, uh, not Ozigbo, uh, another the the running back in 2020 that did really well. Greg Bell. 2020, dude. That was 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 Trey Bryant. No, that's even <laughs> earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's even earlier. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. They're, they're, <laughs> No, no, Tyjon Lindsay. Was it Tyjon Lindsay? No, he went to Oregon State. Uh, did he? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, the, the he got he got uh, drafted in free agency from the like Detroit Lions or whatever. Uh, but him. I don't remember. So both of them like have had like stories about Nebraska being really well at like getting them in with like therapists and working through their issues, which that's really good because. I think a lot of people think of that as weakness in today's society when like you're put under a microscope as a college athlete. So you have a lot of pressure on you because guess what? Your school's getting paid for. Oh, that's great. I still have to perform. Um, so he had a lot of that issues, but coming off of this year, I'm a lot more hopeful than I was coming into last year. Um, because he showed playmaking ability, but I want him to take over like I think he can. Because if you look at him, he looks like DK Metcalf. Yeah, he's big. He's, uh, the, 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 he's big, the thing he's is, fast. What you're, saying, what you're saying about Omar could really be said about the whole offense and the whole wide receiver core. You know what I mean? It's like, he has a lot I of... Just, I agree with you. I, I understand, I but you just look at him like physically... Like, look at that dude. He's a mm -hmm. dude among boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 100%. Yeah. So, that, that's my... I feel like with him, though, he's got so much obvious potential. It's, yeah. It's like, it's really more about our offense 
getting in line and getting getting the yeah. him in the position to deliver him the ball. Uh, yeah, you know our so, offensive line, our quarterback so again, play. If 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 the quarterback play was the issue, we're gonna know very soon. Because, uh, like I said, I think Casey has a lot better arm than Adrian. Um, yeah, but uh, a lot more so, accurate, and I think he just does more accurate. Homework, but we've already gone and, over that. And zip on the ball, just ugh, it's just yeah, way different. Yeah, uh, Adrian um, floated it. Yeah, I mean Adrian this year had a lot more zip than he has previous years, but yeah, whatever. Uh, so my third third pick. Okay. I don't think you're gonna think of this one either. Uh, Travis Vokalek. I didn't think of that one. Yeah. Go ahead. So I Travis have a couple of Vo- bonus ones for later. Yeah, <laughs> Travis Vokalek. So our tight end room is one of the places that Husker fans never really think is an issue, and it's not. Um. But if you look at him, so he was next in line behind Allen. He got a lot of playing time. I have never been impressed with him on the field. He's made some plays here, made some plays there. Sure-handed, big guy, blocks well. But if he doesn't have his breakout year being a tight end in this offense, that's a passing offense. Running, yes, but it's a passing offense. So... If you can't with a step coach like up, Sean Becton, yeah, who's gonna get other guys in there? He's such yeah, a good no, tight no. end recruiter. And no, no. And if you look at him versus Fedoni, which Fedoni looks like, um, he looks like, uh, what's his name? Oh, you don't watch the NFL. Never mind. Um, Kittle, George Kittle. George Kittle. George. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Kittle. George. Yeah. No. Fedoni looks like Kittle and he moves like that. So you have that guy breathing down your neck. Fedoni was going to probably be in the lineup last year before he blew out his knee in summer camp. So you have that guy right behind you. And if so, if Vokalek isn't, you know, on par and isn't performing, that guy is right in the wings. And I think they're going to, Fedoni's going to get on the healthy. field. We'll see if he can stay healthy. We'll, we'll see. But what I'm saying is if he doesn't perform, there are a lot of people behind him that are right up there and are gonna, going to take the reins. So those are my three that I thought picks. about. Yeah, Three good picks. I have a couple of bonus picks. Um, Casey Thompson. That's the truth. Casey Thompson doesn't perform this next year. He's only got a couple of years. He's got two potential years. So you got you got Chubba waiting in the wings. No, he has two. I thought he just had one yeah, year left. If he wanted, he has two years. But his plan is to come in, light the world on fire, have a successful team, and get drafted. But if he doesn't do that, it's break. We have oh, other guys. I thought he just had one. No, he has two. He has two potential oh. years he could play. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That that's that's the thing, but make or break. That's my point. If he if he doesn't if he doesn't make it, you got you got dudes waiting in the wings. You got Chubba waiting in the wings. Who people are talking about him like he could start already, and we'd be just fine. You have um, Chubba. You have you have Harbor, which is mm-hmm. still he wasn't a make or break guy for me because the quarterback room is so freaking deep. Like, well, I mean, but uh, he Casey. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're looking at yeah, a no, single no. dude, no, Casey. Casey, this is yeah. a make or break year for Casey. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. I think because he's the do quarterback just fine. room is so deep. Yeah. Yes. But I think he'll do just fine. But the quarterback position is such a volatile position. If you go one or two games deep into the season and it's not looking good, they might they might play Chubba. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no they problem might, with I mean, that's how quarterback works. It's such they might a, it play Chubba. A, they might play Harburg. They might play Smothers. Smothers? Who, who knows? Yeah. The, that's, um, that's another, like, we were talking earlier about, like, people that just, like, need to get on the field. Smothers is just a really good athlete. Work out of the slot, dude. <laughs> we got so many guys. Already. I mean, you, you can never have too many, but, uh, yeah, I think he might be more benefit of, to our team having him work out there than having him work at quarterback. But we could be eating our words. He could be our starting quarterback heading into the playoffs, and we're, like, looking stupid. <laughs> yeah yeah and just like heisman trophy like who knows <laughs> oliver martin oliver martin this year for oliver martin i almost i almost year. picked him yeah because oliver oliver is the type of receiver that is very reliable that runs really good routes that is is 
really good at knowing what where he's supposed to be and getting there fast and in an efficient way. But he's not the type of guy that you look at him and you're like, ooh, look at that guy. Like like Omar. You know what I mean? Like Omar yeah. is that guy. Oliver is not. So for yeah. a guy like Oliver, you have to prove it on the field. You know what yeah. I mean? You really have to prove it on the field. And he's been all right for us, but ultimately he hasn't come in with, with any of the type of production that some people thought he would have. So this year is a year for him to really submit his place in this offense as a uh, – as the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> As the white guy. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, I have... Uh, oh, two more. Timmy Bleak Road. This is a make or break Who? year for Timmy Bleak Road. The transfer kicker from Furman. <laughs> <laughs> because guess what? Guess what? We're so fed up with the, with the, with the field goal kicker position... That we're not emotionally attached to anybody. We're going to try to get whoever's going to make the damn kicks. So if Timmy Bleak Road comes in and ain't making the kicks, someone else is going to be our kicker week three or whatever. You know what I mean? That's just how, like, we're not committed to these guys. The last person. And this is a great way to end it. Scott Frost. Yeah. yeah that's true scott frost this is a make or break year for him man and you know what the scuttlebutt is starting to be and i'm i'm kind of feeling this way too if it pops it's gonna pop and we're gonna have a really good year a huge yeah. year um but if it doesn't i i all the new faces, the new culture, everything, I, I would find it hard to rein this ship back in. So I think Scott and the Huskers are either going to be really, really damn good and have a really surprisingly good year, or it'll it, – five wins, maybe six, and end in a firing. Yeah. So that's a good way yeah. to end it, I think. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, that's going to be it for us today on the Corn Husker Corner. Uh, always remember that there's no place like – this podcast. This podcast.